morning. <laughs> Welcome to Don't Be the Artist. I'm Hagen. I'm Dave. I'm Adam. And I'm Jackson. 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 <laughs> <laughs> it didn't change at all. <laughs> no. <laughs> this week we're on um, we're on Zoom for the first time, and I won't tell you what we were on before that because there's no godly reason why we should have been using that old platform, but. <laughs> It, this looks better, I guess. We were using AIM. We just had a gripe with it today. Yeah, I opened up that old app and one of the first times, and I we were all using old uh, screen names because, like, Hagen's is some, like, ridiculous email or something like that, if I remember correctly on that. But uh, I had um, some of those, like, phishing uh, mails, like, hey, sexy, I want a, a video call with you, all that kind of stuff. Did y'all Damn. have any of those? I just had a I had a message from an old man. <laughs> like the opposite. What did he want? Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Uh, I don't know. I, I, I called him back though. He didn't answer. That was probably a good idea. Uh, I had I had those, but what what happened was is that after I opened Dawes again, so I started getting them all over again. This is bizarre. We weren't saying we the weren't name. Gonna, I'll yeah, just bleep it, it out. <laughs> yeah, bleep bleep me out. Sorry, my bad. I'm just going to put... Who gives um, a fuck? What, Who gives a fuck? I'll put Dawes. Yeah. Put Dawes. I'm just going instead to... Of, instead of what he said, I'll put Dawes in there. So when he opened up Dawes... <laughs> hey, wait, wait, wait. Can I just get a clean take of you saying Dawes, Dave? Dawes. Cool. So Very good. everyone, this Wait, will be. Can I try it again? I, I could do it better. <laughs> no. Whenever uh, all the listeners hear that, that will actually be the second time you've heard it because I will have taken that audio and put it in the back. That's a little peek behind the curtain for you. Little peek so, behind the curtain. Yeah. Uh, Adam's officially in his new setup, and uh, as far as I know, he's got a lot of echo and a lot of noise. Yep. Closer to the the big old Denton train. Yeah, actually, I don't know if it's closer, but it definitely is louder here because of how the sound of it tra- uh, carries. Mm. It's it's weird. It's gonna you're gonna hear it come through on here at one point. I mean, it happens on mine yeah. too. Doesn't happen on mine. Occasionally, I've had it come through Dave's when I'm editing, and I'll have it the train come through. I think it hits Dave first, and then I'll get it maybe a minute or two later in Adam's uh, <laughs> recording. And I try to catch it, but sometimes I can't. So maybe the listener, listeners, this week, your homework is to write in if you've heard the train. Or or take a shot every time you hear the train. Oh, hey there. Yeah. That's Make sure good. you're driving, too. That's a, really, that's a really fun part about taking shots is you have to be driving. Yeah. It's the only time you can listen to podcasts. Yeah, was that a famous David Bowie quote, Hagen, that you just said? Surely you couldn't be telling people to drink and drive. No, I would never do uh, that, ever. What? What? How are what? you guys? I'm good. I'm doing, I'm doing great. And if you can't tell, we're padding for time, because we're going to talk about news. <laughs> I don't know why I did the make it rain thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what that gonna, was for. Because we're going to make it rain news on the people. For our video yeah. podcast? Yeah. Yes. Hey, yes. let us know if you listen to this. Let us know if you want us to do a video podcast. Oh my god! No, god damn it! Don't, don't no. let us know. What the fuck? <laughs> just just put me saying Dawes a whole bunch word. there. Edit that out. Hey, Dawes, all, all the Dawes, people listening, Dawes, let us Dawes. know if you want Dawes, 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 Dawes. <laughs> I'm just gonna take Agan's cut there. 
All right. I'm going to go into news. I'm gassy, so I'm burping, apparently. I did not know that was going to be a thing. Sorry, guys. So, damn first piece of news. Yeah, it's, it's the booch. You got to hit that booch hard sometimes. Hit that booch. Hit that so, booch. <laughs> first, uh, was that... Uh, uh, no, it's not for me. Surely Dave couldn't be wanting to drink kombucha with me. No. Um, <laughs> our first piece of news is that the Fire Festival, you guys remember the Fire Festival? I think we all did. We all watched two documentaries that came out at the exact same time, and uh, we remember hearing about it. We remember hearing of the uh, the scammed concert goers who are really just a bunch of bros and, you know, yuppies and stuff, so it was really hard to feel bad for them. But... Uh, Fire Festival merch that was originally seized by U.S. Marshals will be sold at auction. So if you're interested in buying some uh, official Fire Fest uh, merch, that is a possibility. And all of the proceeds will be going to the victims of Fire Festival, which I laughed at. The victims Very. of no, Fire does, Festival. Does, does that mean the Bahamians? Does that mean the Bahamians? That oh, you mean be, the people that like yeah. own the place? No, the, or the, lived people, on the, the place? people that he hired to work there, and then they yeah. didn't get paid. And then they're it out of to, work. It has, to, yeah. it has to be them. Yeah, okay, it well, that's good. Okay. That's I good hope that's what that means, because otherwise, if it means the people who bought tickets, uh, I don't feel anything for those people. No. I don't feel bad for the people who went to a shitty island. They basically had a bad layover experience. I don't feel too bad for the yuppies. And if you can afford to, to go to that festival in the first place, you don't need help. Well, and, and a lot of them went for free, and a lot of them also got what they paid for. There was a number. Of, I, I actually, funny enough, rewatched the Hulu one this week because I I liked that one more because it was not made by Fuck Jerry, and it was actually like more honest. Because Fuck Jerry was a problem. They they were a whole issue with the the whole the whole fire festival because they were investing and they were part of the social media. Um, but I liked the Hulu one more, so I rewatched that this week, and uh, like there's there's a lot of Oh my god! I just lost all of my train of thought. Oh no! Speaking of trains, <laughs> did you <laughs> did you all hear the train? <laughs> Drink. Um, yeah, I mean there there was there was just a lot of of issues with like the way that people. So there were influencers. Some went for free, and some also paid for the villas. And the some that paid for the villas, some of them didn't get it, but then some of them did get it. So then there's people who paid all the money. They just got a bunch of like booze because they were handing out booze at one point um and also they were paying for booze too but like they they were just getting drunk in a villa in on an island so they really didn't suffer at all woe is me yeah exactly <laughs> there were there were there were some people that like had a really really like rough time and and but it's not nothing compared to what like the workers went through the people that he hired to yeah. build the stages and all that stuff and that was the big like twist at the end of both the docks was like and they didn't get paid for yeah. any of that that's the real problem. Yeah, I remember seeing GoFundMe's like floating around. Not good. Well, like, yeah, GoFundMe's floating around to help some of the people out. And you know, there was one person in particular I think that made a lot of food for the festival, and maybe it was the staff or whatever. But she ended up making a lot of her money back. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. That I think what you're talking about is some. There was a woman, and she basically I forgot how, but like she pulled out money to pay the workers she hired. Like she, and basically because she got such a big contract, she was like, I'm going to make so much money on it. So it was like an investment for her. And she spent like most of her life savings on it and completely 
was broke because of it. And that was like just a heartbreaking scene from one of those documentaries of this woman just like, I have nothing now because of this festival and no one is out here helping me. And I have people who are asking me for money and like giving me threats and stuff on her home island. Cause there were people who lived on that island and it was just, just really sad because there was this hostility amongst each other because people weren't getting paid, all that kind of stuff. So that's a good point. I hope it is those people because otherwise I really don't want to be, you know, bailing out Wall Street again in a way, if you well, know what I'm saying. Right, yeah. Think, think about who's actually going to buy that merch. The people who are going to buy the merch are the people who, like, had the money to go in the first place. It's going to be, yeah. like, influencers who think it's funny because they have all this money. They're the ones that are going to buy it, not, like you know, not any of us, you know, we might think it's funny, but if it's, if it's at an auction, we don't have the money for that. Like if there's no way that we're going to buy it. So it's going to be the influencers that probably went, that probably went to the festival. They're going to think it's funny. So the money can't go to them. The money just can't like, it, there's right. just no way. Or someone's going to buy all of it and then try to sell it to those people. Yeah. For like, like full, con- full prices. Yeah. <laughs> I like, I like this idea of, for influencers, that's like their that's their big ticket item is they want to get original Fire Festival merch, not you know fake knockoffs. Whereas like for us, you know, it's like I'd really like to buy a hundred dollar record that's like an original press of you know X Y Z band, but you know I'm not going to do that. I can't afford it. I like that dichotomy right there that you just right. presented to me, Hagen. <laughs> I mean, that's the truth, though. I mean, they're, they're, they're the ones, because, I mean, both the documentaries, I'm pretty sure both of them did. I know the Hulu one did. Explain FOMO to you like you're a 70-year-old person. So the whole concept yes. of FOMO is so big with these influencers that it's like you have no, like, you, you can't miss out on this opportunity. And they didn't miss out on it, and they will, like, have that in their resume of influencers forever. I mean, they it, it's in their history. So they want to keep that. It's just so weird to think about that festival, like, that it was even considered a music festival. I mean, it it, <laughs> it was, and I mean, there was a lot of big acts that they had supposedly got. The only ones I remember are like Blink One Eighty Two. They got like they got uh, Diplo, I think. They got Good Music, um, which was the like the the Kanye thing. Mm-hmm. I think that was like his like music. Like, I don't know if it's his label or what it is, but um, they had a pretty in- intensive thing. I'll, I'll pull it up real quick. Yeah, I'm trying to pull up the lineup, but it's kind of hard. If you want to go to the next news item while I'm pulling it up, you can. It's pretty funny, though, how quickly all the bands were like, "Uh, no, we're not going to do this festival anymore. I'm just getting that amazing picture of the catering, uh, which is just the bread with the slices of cheese on top of it. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Okay, so it was good music, uh, Major Lazer, Blink-182, Disclosure, Ray Shrummond, Migos, Lil Yachty, Skepta, Matoma, Daya. I, I don't know these people. Um, and then there's just more like DJs at the bottom. Right. So it was just a bunch. It was a, it was going to be like an EDM festival more than anything. Blink-182 was like the stand, it was like the, the standout, not Yeah, I mean, that's, DJ you know, thing. it's like festivals like that. It's just like, you're, you're there to say you were there. You're not there to, you're not there because you're an avid music fan. Yeah. They, they talk Same a lot thing with about Coachella, but yeah. this was like the ultimate, supposed to be like the ultimate experience and stuff like that. They talk about Coachella and the Hulu doc and how it's about like how it's more about wearing uh, incredibly offensive headdresses than it is about music now. I mean, it's right. Not, yeah. It's not about the lineup. <laughs> of course. Yeah. Damn. Dave, you're throwing that, that mad shade over at Coachella. 
Not that <laughs> hey, it's undeserved. Coach, Coachella is run by extremely shitty people. Even yeah. if the festival itself has, you know, genuine people like Beyonce in it, it's run by extremely, like, far-right assholes. Right. Well, and there's no amount of shade that I could throw at Coachella to cause any sort of problem for them. <laughs> like, fucking me. It's not just not going to do anything. <laughs> I'm calling BuzzFeed after this. All right, into our next piece of news. <laughs> this one, I don't really know how I feel about it, I, but I, I'm labeling it as Dingus News, the continuation of Dingus News. Um, Tra- Travis Scott, the rapper, has continued his quest to put his name on everything with uh, his new $12 branded hand sanitizer. So if you guys don't know this about the rapper Travis Scott, he is like a modern-day kiss where... He, you can go to his website and he basically has branded everything. He has his name on everything uh, that you can think of. And his newest thing is hand sanitizer. So part of me is not even upset about it because it's not out of character. It's not like it's just random and it's just, you know, okay, you know, it's hand sanitizer. I guess it's one way to get it to the people. But then also, you know, some of my favorite bands every single band is doing it right now where they have the branded face mask so i really this doesn't upset me at all but i do see that room for people to be upset i didn't see what size the 12 dollar hand sanitizer is because that was, yeah that was 12 dollars is a lot yeah it's a lot but if it's a large one which i doubt it is i bet it's one of those like I mean, desk ones that's i feel like the time for branded hand sanitizer was months ago i think it's well, a bit late yeah. now I mean, it, you would think, but like we're still in the throes of the first wave. <laughs> so I mean, true, but it's still very relevant. But the yeah, the hype yeah. behind it is yeah, yeah. I totally the, the get time that. to cash in on that was was in March. I mean, Kiss had uh, condom, or they had well, of course they had condoms, but they also had uh, coffins. That's what I meant to say. <laughs> yeah, uh, one of the few people to be buried in one was Dimebag Daryl. Dimebag Daryl was buried in a Kiss coffin. Yeah. You didn't know that about Dimebag Daryl. He was such a huge fan of Kiss. Like, that was his favorite band, him and his brother. And they basically only made, uh, it was like 50 of those Kiss coffins. And they were, like, super expensive, signed by the band, blah, blah, blah. Um, But they had basically stopped making them at that point. But they had an extra one, and they donated it to... I don't know if they donated, but they basically made it happen that Dimebag Daryl would have one. So he was like buried, and if I'm not mistaken, he was buried with a guitar, and then also he was a huge fan of Crown Royal, uh, and he, which I believe is a Canadian whiskey. Indeed, and it is. It, and he uh, was buried with that in his kiss coffin. So a very you know Texas way to go out, I suppose. <laughs> and Vinny, his brother's name was Vinny, right? Yeah, Vinny Paul. Vinny Paul. He just he was just like, man, there are no more kiss coffins. <laughs> well, he wasn't he wasn't like anything because he's dead, but <laughs> very Steph Corner. No. I was I was about to say we should cancel Pantera because we should, but now I feel bad about saying that. <laughs> they canceled themselves. Or the uh, or the They continue yeah. to cancel themselves. The whoever yeah. the I can't remember what which member is like still doing stuff, but Phil Anselmo, can, the the lead yeah, singer. The giant piece of shit. Yeah, the 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 white supremacist. So yeah. it was Dimebag. Yeah, what I remember when uh, Vinnie Paul died, and 
like no disrespect or anything like that, but it was one of those situations. I remember people were coming up to me that are so bummed about it. And I was just like, man, I know I'm from Texas and I do like heavier music, but wow, I don't give a shit about Pantera. It's just, I'm not a fan of them. It's uh, fucking and stupid. I, I, one dude, like I just kept having people talking to me about it. They're like, oh, it's so crazy he died. And I, I just kind of gave like, you know, offhanded shrugs, just kind of like, eh, yeah, I get it. And then finally, one dude who worked at a uh, music shop in Dallas, talk, he got, came over to me. He's like, hey, I noticed that you seem to not really care about it. I've been getting that shit nonstop at the store. <laughs> I am so happy you don't care because, good God, I hate it. <laughs> it the people won't stop. But, I mean, it is tragic the way that, the way that Dimebag died is very tragic. Yeah, of course. And he is, a, he is an icon in the guitar, like the heavy guitar music world. Of course. So it's, sad. it's a very sad state of affairs. But at the same time, it's like... I don't know. I mean, Pantera has their place. Yeah, I don't know how it's portrayed outside of Texas, but it, you get this feeling here in Texas because they're somewhat of a local band that you have to like them if you're a musician, or just in right. general, you have to like them. But uh, So whenever Vinnie Paul died, it was this kind of like everybody was talking about it. But I don't know if that's worldwide or even countrywide, you know. Oh, it was definitely so that would worldwide. be interesting. Yeah. Uh, um, if I may take us back to Travis Scott for just one second. Um, so the hand sanitizer is just one of those little like spray bottles. Not a big one. Not a big bottle at all. $12. On the same day, he also released a mask that says Cactus Jack on it because that's the name of the hand sanitizer and the whole product line. Um, and they, it, it's supposed to like be agave and cactus, whatever. Uh, so the, it's $12 for the bottle of hand sanitizer, $25 for the mask. And then he also put out a safe touch multi-tool, which is supposed to like be a way to avoid touching surfaces. Mm-hmm. And it basically looks like a bottle opener, like a little tiny guy. And it's $30. Man, I mean, look, I can see wanting to hustle and wanting to make money. But he's during fine. A, during, he's fine. Yeah, he's totally fine. During a pandemic, to to profit off of a pandemic is like... That's like, like you know, when Katrina happened, if you were like, all right, I'm making uh, custom flotation devices, and uh, <laughs> you know what I mean? God. It's like, what kind of a hey, fucking I'm just piece curious. of shit? Hey, Dave, I'm just curious. So those flotation devices, where were they going to send it to, the people who need those? <laughs> I don't like, know. Like, to their P.O. box? <laughs> <laughs> they're just going to airdrop them, you know? Yeah, they're going to airdrop them. the helicopters. <laughs> All right, I'm going to venture us out of this territory uh, before we all get canceled. Um, <laughs> so here's you know a bit of a lighter news. I don't really know much we can talk about it, but Elton John is celebrating 30 years of sobriety. So uh, congratulations, Sir so, Elton uh, John. Yeah, hey, good for him we'll t- as we sit here drinking. <laughs> For everyone you can't see, Hagen immediately pulled up his bottle of whiskey and poured it into his cup. I hope you can hear and it. Now in the everyone's mic. drinking. So, oh. so Adam, you just moved. Have you unpacked your bar yet? For everyone who doesn't know, he's got a lavish bar set up. Yeah, that, that was uh, an easy thing to unpack. Yeah, that would be the first thing I would unpack. Yeah. Talk about moving. And actually, I think that was the first part that was like already done. Yeah. I was gonna say, I, be- I bet like his like his like. Uh, like office room was the first thing he unpacked. But, oh no! I mean the no, no it bar. wasn't. It's actually like pretty bare bones still. I just got my oh, computer really? set up last night for this. Damn, 
crazy yeah the bar is the most man anytime i'm doing any moving or something like the first thing i think of is like okay i have to buy i have to make sure i have tape boxes and beer <laughs> yeah <laughs> oh that's good wonderful but good for elton john that's that's a great that's, thing that's yeah great that's amazing because yeah. he was yeah. he was a coke fiend in his heyday yeah that is worth noting that that we're sitting here drinking but we're not doing wines of coke yeah i mean he was he would lock himself in his mansion in one room in his mansion and he would fill his entire bedside drawer with cocaine and stay there for days jesus so 30 years later of not doing that yeah i don't know if anybody saw that um the biopic that came out last year but it it did he, he had to he was uh like a producer or executive producer whatever on it and they still didn't paint him in a too great light when it came to the drugs it was basically just like the whole movie felt like a few stayed at at points so you know. Yeah, well, and that was actually like part of his pitch for doing that movie was he wanted to talk about all that and not gloss over it because he, you know, he's big on that should be talked about and if he can, you know, do it, then other people can hopefully. Yeah, and it's widely known that that was part of his life. If you get like, if you get anywhere close to his personal life as an artist, then that's probably the next thing that's brought up aside from his music. Yeah. So moving on, let's get back to COVID. So, did y'all see that Chain Smokers concert? Chain Smokers con- concert that happened in the Hamptons. Do you want to try another time with that? <laughs> uh, yeah, I'll try it. Uh, so, the Chain Smokers, the Dawes. EDM DJs, uh, the DJs, uh, whatever you want to call them, they had a quote-unquote socially distant concert in the Hamptons, and it is now being investigated because they had all these, uh, they were saying, okay, it's going to be a drive-in concert, but we're going to have it set up that people can get out of their cars and view the concert, and we'll have partitions, and everyone will be, you know, six feet away from each other, so you can get out of your car, but you're still, you know, within the car, you can stay in if you want, all that kind of stuff. So everyone's like, oh, cool, and they're doing temperature checks. All that good stuff. And then all these, there are all these videos of the concert, and it looks like just a normal concert. Everybody is jam-packed up in the front. Nobody's wearing masks. And so now they're being investigated to, because they violated, you know. Everything. Yeah, Everything. Basically yeah. every rule. Yeah. <laughs> you can't expect people to be responsible when they've been inside of their fucking houses for months. Yeah, you're no gonna way. get to those moments, and that's that's why that's why I don't want to hang out with friends because I know it'll be like, all right, yeah, we're we're gonna we're gonna social distance and wear a mask the whole time, and then you get in the room and it's like it's time it's time to hug. Yeah, that's what we're doing now because you have that lack of connection with people that you haven't had. So you go to a concert for your favorite band, the Chainsmokers, <laughs> <laughs> and you're like, this is the they're they're the exact crowd to be like this is the best time of my life i don't care if i get covid here's the other thing too is checking temperatures in a mass like on a mass scale is stupid because asymptomatic people don't need like they don't they're not flagged by the temperature check i don't know why we're not talking about that more that's a good point and actually it's kind of weird that that's like one of the safe things to do when you reopen is well just check temperatures and it's like okay cool that'll catch 10 percent of the people yeah. yeah, exactly. It's a it's a very small percentage. I don't know. I mean, I I, I get it as a precaution because you have to do something, right? Uh, it helps. Just yeah, it, but it just seems fodder. As... It just seems like fodder. It's like yeah. oh, this this makes it look more official that we're checking temperatures. Yeah, 
yeah, I don't know. I, I, I can honestly say that I, I, I've been in situations recently where like I've, I've been in a room with people like, hey, we're all going to wear a mask. We're all going to do this thing. Uh, and it took maybe 30, 40 minutes for everyone to lose their mask and like start standing directly next to each other. And I'm like, okay, well, so I'm not doing that. So I'm yeah. going to be like across like more than six feet away from you assholes with my mask off or on even then i'll be so far away from you it doesn't matter like you guys are right next to each other and that is a bit, like you said it takes people no time they're dying to do something else and see their friends and i mean i get it on some level but like i mean not for the chain smokers well you just you don't put yourself in that scenario it's a human nature thing yeah so would it help y'all uh to know that you know some 2000 concert goers said that they felt safe oh yeah totally awesome idiots fucking i'm sure morons, they felt stupid safe. motherfuckers yeah they're great apparently that came out during the investigation that uh uh all the people that they interviewed said oh well we felt safe and but then all the videos that are coming out are showing just literally i'm looking at the video right now and it's just wall-to-wall people it looks like a normal festival and there's just a couple of cars in between people. So, and also it looks like tickets cost up to $25,000. I mean, Oh, what good. The fuck? Good. They can handle, they have, they have enough money for, for respirators and God. hospital bills. Good. <laughs> this is like, so yeah. that that's a fun one. Oh my God. It's so fucking infuriating, dude. Of course, and oh my God. staying on that topic, Instagram flagged a post from Madonna for spreading false information about COVID nineteen. Just a, another on the long. What line did she say? People, what did she uh, spread? I don't know. I read she basically she she shared a doctor's post or something like a doctor's hypothesis. Of oh, a, it, it was a disgraced doctor. It it wasn't. It she she uh, she didn't share fucking frontline doctors. No, I don't think it was. God, uh, man, do I, we know what the post was? I'm finding. I'm trying to find it right now. Okay. Also, like, <laughs> oh man, that's the danger in having such a wide audience. Is like, if you're totally uninformed and not like a a pandemic expert, or was it ep- what 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 are they labeled? Epidemiologist. That sounds right. If you're not an epidemiologist and you just you're a pop singer, like. Especially Madonna, because she's been controversial her entire career. Whether or not it's been because she was ahead of her time, who who cares? But to go to her as a credible source is like, man, we're I would listening argue, to the wrong people. I would make the argument she's been misinformed most of her life, and that even when she was being like, when she was like breaking ground, she still wasn't like actually breaking ground. I mean, like Vogue, she stole that from the from like the. LGBTQ scene in New York at the time. They were doing that at, at like their dance clubs and she was like, "Cool, mine now." That's like right. That's not ahead Culture of your time. Vulture. Yeah, that's you you just stole that. That's super fucked up. And it's not like you're doing them a favor by putting it in the limelight. You're just being a moron cuz so, yeah. I mean, I, I and who knows if somebody if like like someone in charge of her team was like, "Oh, we're doing this." And she was like, "I don't want to." And they did it anyway, but regardless, she did it. She was a part of that and that's she's not she's not good. I don't like her. Well, I mean, maybe that is a part that maybe that could be worth talking about is the the PR representatives that you have making choices for you, like like the Sufjan Stevens stuff, where the the PR manager was like, "Hey, let's let's do a fifty states thing, even if you don't ever consider doing it. Let's say that we're doing that." I think she, I think she shared a post about hydroxychloroquine, which might have. It's not saying it's from the the frontline doctors group, but 
I think she shared something about how that's good. I'm try- I still can't find like the Yeah, post. I mean, I don't know enough about that to discredit it, but I will say that like if doctors it's, have it, discredited it. Well, okay, cool. There you go. I know enough about it. <laughs> yeah. Because like it's been around long enough and it's and we don't have a cure for fucking covid, so It works for like, other stuff. Great. Yeah, that's that's the thing is that it is a valid like medicine treatment for certain things, but not this and also not at this like scale either. Of right. everyone. Yeah. So. On a smaller scale, it'd be like trying to take Tylenol for allergies. Which people probably do. <laughs> While Hagen's looking that up, uh, I will uh, share a little uh, tidbit that I experienced of uh, what Dave was talking about, of, you know, having that wide audience and, you know, people, I guess, getting their ideas from them. But I was, you know, I'm a big fan of John Mayer. Dave is too. And he yeah. has that song that is the the funniest uh white boy boo-hoo uh poor me i'm just not going to do anything about it waiting on the world to change i like that song but it like the sentiment of that song is like ah we'll just wait for things to be different which is very funny (laughs) i mean i already didn't listen to that song very like i would skip it if i was listening to that album but like i've never thought of it that way (laughs) like putting in that context yeah, at this point in history, it just feels very like, oh, man, you we can't take that laissez-faire <laughs> attitude to social injustice or anything. And I think he's gotten more that way, but that is one of his biggest songs, if not his biggest song. Well, that album came out in, what, like 2006? Yeah. So it's like, it was a different time then. It was the Bush yeah. era. So, and I, at his concerts, you have this dichotomy of like people who are there because they just like me who are like super into the music. And then there's the people who are very, you know, superficial about it. They like the music probably just as much as I do, but they probably don't think about the lyrics or they don't think about the musician much. They're that attitude of like that, this musician, I paid a hundred bucks to see them. They just need to play their songs. I don't want to hear their views. And you get that. Like I, I sat next to a dude who was like that, who was just so into like, dude, this guy loves Stevie Ray Vaughan. Fuck. Yeah. And I was like, Hey, Kudos to you, you're enjoying the show. But I know if, uh, like, John Mayer did a little speech right before he played that song, but it was the most toe-the-line speech of, like, a CEO sending out an email trying to please every single person in the audience. And I was just like, ah, oh, man, you should have just played the song and just not even mention it because now I feel weird. Right, yeah. Yeah, he's that guy. Hagen, you got anything? I got it. I got it. Uh, she she did in fact share the video of Dr. Stella Emanuel talking about hydroxychloroquine. So for those who don't know, there was the group Frontline Doctors that was standing in front of the uh, the U.S. Supreme Court building talking about how, how hydroxychloroquine is the cure, and there is no like that. It's ridiculous that we're even doing this. Dr. Stella Emanuel said we shouldn't be wearing masks because we have a cure because she's treated three hundred people 200 people i don't know something like 350 people with hydroxychloroquine it has worked so we shouldn't be doing anything else blah 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 blah. just so everyone else knows who this person really like just just not really is but what this person believes because it's incredible uh she believes that gynecological problems are caused by people having sex in their dreams with demons and witches she believes that alien dna is currently being used in medical treatments uh, she believes that Jesus Christ will destroy Facebook if her videos aren't restored to the platform. She is not only a quote-unquote doctor, but she is also a preacher in Houston. This woman is insane. And Madonna shared her. Oh that, that Facebook one really, that, that really does it. Wow, that one, that that was the tipper for me. Well, Man, I mean, I mean 
157,000 people have died of COVID in the U.S. alone, and th- she's cured 300 people. It's like, okay, fuck the rest of you people. Yeah. She 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 believes a lot of, like, like I think that my favorite one is that the Magic 8-Ball toy is psychic and part of a scheme to get children to use witchcraft. Uh, I mean, she she just believed oh that. I, I have a list. I'll send it to Adam if you want to put it in the in the show. You can everyone can see it. <laughs> yeah. It's amazing. Right. Um, Please it's, do that. I don't think like, we have any Trump supporters as fans. If we do, uh, fuck if we off do, and like, stop if we listening. do, stop listening. <laughs> yeah, get out. We don't need Shut you. Get out. Yeah, turn it off. A big fuck you. Oh, actually, if we do, email me at davefarrellbase at gmail dot com, and I'll tell you to fuck off personally. <laughs> yeah, Dave will call you. On the phone. Yeah, I'll call you. Email me your number, and I will tell you to fuck off. <laughs> I mean, yeah, yeah. Stop listening to us or have a conversation with us. Either way. Um, okay, then email Hagen for the conversation. Email <laughs> me for me to tell you to fuck off. I feel like there's not a conversation that can really solve this at this point. I'll, I'll say this. If you genuinely believe in what Dr. Stella Emanuel is saying, which I did read Facebook comments from people who were like, God, that magic eight ball thing seems real to me. If you genuinely <laughs> believe what this person is saying, please, <laughs> please email the show with your phone number and I will call you and we will set up a therapy appointment. Yeah, we can talk fair. this through that's fair. and yeah, we can don't make feed this the artists. better. We'll fund your therapy. <laughs> well, we well, won't fund it. We're just going to get you set up with somewhere cheaper and like we're going to get you set up where you can get better because yeah. we really... This like, is going to be some Zoom therapy. This is dangerous. <laughs> this is dangerous thinking. It's funny for like maybe five minutes and then you think about it and you're like, holy shit. This person is like Trump shared her. Madonna shared her. It's in people have seen it. This person is dangerous. Yeah, I I won't help pay for your therapy, but I will point you to social services, which I'm sure you're adamantly against and hate because you're an <laughs> asshole. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> Speaking of assholes, Yellow Card. If you guys remember Yellow Card, you know their big song Ocean Avenue. They have some other good songs, but. Uh, Yellow Card is uh, no longer a band, but they had a lawsuit, if you guys remember, against Juice World, who, if you also don't remember, died. He died, like, last year, hasn't been dead that long, um, and it was an accidental overdose in an airport. It was this whole thing, like, gone too soon type thing. Um, so they announced that they are going to drop their $15 million lawsuit against juice world wow, wow good guys you know kudos to you Incredible. snaps wow. everybody yeah thunderous um, applause for the jackasses yeah i have a little bit more details on it so basically what was happening is yellow card was suing juice world uh they had the same lawyer that was used in the blurred line case and uh robin thick blurred line that's a huge case if you don't know about it i know we've talked about it but um so they were suing him for copyright, you know, basically copying their song. And they put the, uh, they were ready to go to trial. And then they put the lawsuit on hold because he died. And I figured out reading an article, they didn't, they obviously there was this mindset of like, oh, should we still go through with this? But apparently the lawyer was saying, we only put it on hold to wait for the estate to uh, assign an executor uh for his estate so then we could continue the lawsuit and guess what they assigned an executor it's his mom so yellow card decided hey at this time we don't feel 
you know, it's a good idea to sue this. He was like 21 years old. This, you know, his mom basically for $15 million. So they ended up dropping the lawsuit. But here's the little note. The last thing I have to say about it is that they... Uh, dropped it in such a way there are apparently two types of way you can drop a lawsuit. One basically closes the door. You can't reopen the lawsuit. I don't know the legalese. I apologize. But then there's another way you can basically close the lawsuit, but you can pick it up back up at any point. That's the way they did it. They could pick this lawsuit back up at any point at any time they want, but currently they feel bad about suing his mom, you know, over their, his, their, her dead kid. Oh my God fucking assholes jesus christ god i'm heated i'm heated now is anyone else like sweating a little oh, bit dude. this is like yeah. i'm like i'm getting into it now i'm very yeah. angry i got is- i got a good one to uh i know you got some news uh hagan but let me give you a palate cleanser before we go into what you have is that right. okay yeah that's fine apparently there is and dave franco if you don't know who dave franco is that's exactly who it sounds like james franco's little brother (laughs) is set to play vanilla ice in the upcoming biopic and no this isn't a biopic that you know happens to have vanilla ice in it it is a biopic about vanilla ice called to the extreme that is currently in pre-production it would be in production right now if it weren't for covid i have no clue who the fuck asked for this it is crazy i have a guess was it vanilla ice (laughs) Is he a producer on it, like Elton John? I don't know if he's a producer or anything like that, but according to Dave Franco, he's in regular contact with Rob, which is Vanilla Ice's real name, um, and said he's just a nice and funny guy. So, well, I mean, like, man, I mean, it could be, it could have some potential of like the Tommy Wiseau, uh, James Franco movie. Yeah, that's what uh, Dave Franco was saying that he's hoping that it's going to be like Disaster Artist because he was in that movie. And right. he said, basically, that's kind of the, we're not going for this super serious biopic. We're going for, a, oh, this funny, uh, hopefully, Disaster Artist spin. So we'll see. But wow, I can't believe they're doing that. I, I also can't believe it. I don't know why it's relevant, but I, I'm going to watch it. Yeah, I mean, also, like like you said, with Disaster Artist, I trust the Franco brothers with that stuff. And, like, what James Franco did for Spring Breakers, how he studied Riff Raff, I mean, like, it, it, it wasn't, it, it didn't make Riff Raff look like he was a good guy. And, <laughs> and the Disaster Artist didn't make any of the people look like they were good people. So, I mean, like, is it... If they do that continuing forward with this, then it'll probably be decent, you know? Yeah. I mean, the story isn't interesting enough to me. I don't really understand how the story could be, like, a movie. Maybe, like, uh, like two episodes of television, but, like... Well, <laughs> I mean, if he's communicating with him, maybe then there are more escapades that he's, uh, ex- like, letting him know about, and they're yeah. putting that into the film. Yeah, I mean, it, it, just, it just seems a little... I don't know, a little too self-serving and preachy and and probably stupid but i I don't know everybody gets a biopic now that's true that's very very true all right you ready for some uh some some more let's do it yeah all right so uh, i have i have three things two of them are basically like the connection of the same thing so uh the, the the first two are about the snare sound in saint anger so we didn't listen to saint anger when we did the metallica deep dive but uh, we did mention it, and just so everybody knows, I'm sure we've talked about it so many times, but just so everybody knows, the snare sound on St. Anger 
is legendary for being a giant heaping piece of shit. It is. <laughs> it, it sounds like a trash can. It's awful. Um, nobody should feel good about that. Nobody should feel happy about it. Uh, it's not good. The album's bad in general, but that doesn't help matters. Okay, so in recent interviews, Lars Ulrich said, quote, I stand behind it 100% at the moment. That was the truth. Just my personality. I'm just always looking ahead, always thinking about the next thing. I guess that's fair. I think you're stupid. You should probably be like, it was a mistake. That's probably mm-hmm. the best cause. I mean, like you can't you can't ignore your past. You know, hey, this is this is your free therapy right here. Can't ignore your past. You have to deal with your past. So Lars, deal with your past. Stop ignoring the fact that you had a shitty ass snare sound. Bob Rock, the producer on the album, on the other hand, basically told everyone to get the fuck over it. Uh, he he went on in an interview talking about how like the the snare sound was like they were they were lost if you watch the documentary they were lost in recording this album nothing was keeping them together but there were things like like the snare sound that actually inspired them to go on uh and yeah i mean it's it's ridiculous so quote the final quote of it is quote so i'm okay with all the flack i've taken it's a fucking snare drum sound give it a fucking break yeah but it's that bad of a snare drum sound that it deserves to not be given a break it's one of the it's one of the biggest bands of all time. Sorry, like, yeah. you, you're gonna. I mean, get you shit. hear you hear that record, and as as a notable producer, go, yep, that's the snare sound. <laughs> hey, Hagen, you're an amazing drummer, and I love playing with Aww. you. But I'm gonna just say, I've never heard you hit a snare drum in the studio and just been like, wow, this is that snare is gonna get me through the rest of this recording. Wow, so, it's almost, holy it's, shit! It, yeah, it's it's almost like they were broken already. Um, and they were not going to make a good album in the first place. Uh, yeah, it was, it, it was, it was done for already. That was, that was not going to be good. The snare sound wasn't going to save it or break it. It was already going to be bad. And the snare sound just dug it deeper into the ground. That album sucks already. I think the other thing too, is that we didn't hear any discussion about how they arrived at the snare sound and like how, like, you know, did they think it was going to be edgy or... or, or it was like a discussion in their fucking therapy sessions. I don't know. Right. Who knows yeah. what it was? Like everybody in the band was like, "Hey Lars, you your snare sound sucks. We need you to fix that." And he was like, "Fuck, <laughs> fuck." I don't know about y'all, but I, I I'm having some like PTSD of just like talking about Metallica because towards the end of that episode, I had a good time, but like towards the end of that episode, I felt like, "Oh man, uh, God, we're still talking about Metallica." Well, I'll I'll help us move on to my last piece of news, which is gonna has made a lot of people rage, and uh, I'll see what everyone thinks about it before I, I give my two cents. The big quote is from the Spotify CEO. He did an interview recently. Uh, the quote is, "You can't record music once every three or four years and think that's going to be enough." Um, now, the, there's more to the there's more to the interview. I could read other quotes, but that's the quote everybody is pointing out and is getting angry about. What do you guys feel about? I mean, we all, I think I think I think we all generally know Jackson. You don't like streaming. You don't like Spotify. I think most people don't really think it's a like an amazing like system. But we know you don't particularly like streaming, right, Jackson? No, not at all. And even today, like actually, just today, my girlfriend shared with me a little. Um, I don't know where it came from, but somebody on Reddit posted all the actual uh, payout schemes for each. Um, yeah streaming and wow it is just horribly sad yep. and ironically napster speaking of metallica napster pays out the best yep yeah so what do you what does this quote do anything for you guys does it put you in a rage does it make you angry 
I mean, of course it puts you in a rage because as an artist, you want to be paid fairly for the art that you create. Right. I think the thing that happens is that this guy, the CEO, is a CEO and not an artist. Right. And so he's towing the line between business and art. And creating an album sometimes does take three or four years. Yeah. Putting it out. And, and that's also assumed that the business model is not just the landscape of releasing music for streaming's sake. We're, we're talking about touring and getting merch and doing a full album cycle. That's why it's called a cycle. Because you do you write and record the album, you release it, then you tour it, and then maybe you take a small break and you go back and do it traditionally. That's largely how it was. It seems like what he wants and what he could be talking about is that he wants artists to, if they want to make more money, release albums every year. But the whole idea of that cheapens the model of art in the first place. You're paying artists less for what, for what they make, and you're expecting them to have more output. Yeah, so I, I completely agree with Dave. It, I mean, this is, I'm not even trying to get into the streaming uh, topic because that's a whole thing on itself. But it's just, it's super frustrating because like, obviously as a musician, you have to learn to do the business side of it at some point, but then you also want to hope that you get to some point that you can pay somebody else to do or have somebody else do the business side so you can focus on the art side. So this idea of you trust as the musician, the business side to do their stuff the business side also has to trust in the artist that they have signed on to work with to do the artist stuff. So there are situations, of course, you know, every, I I really hate this idea of there's, you know, the one way there's the way to, you know, make it in music and stuff like that. Cause some things work for people. Some things don't. Some people bust their ass touring nonstop and they're still at the same level that they were five years ago. And some people just happen to release the right YouTube song or right song on TikTok, and now they're an international star for this moment, and they can capitalize on it. So this idea that, like, oh, this is the way you do it, I just, I really detest that because, like, this isn't like, and and that's for anything in life, but art in general, I completely just, I don't think that that mindset works it's not like the whole go to college get a good job that's just not how that works i really just don't think it is yeah uh, i'm gonna be controversial here and say this does nothing to me this doesn't upset me what upsets me is everyone getting pissed about it because i think that uh everyone who's pissed about it maybe needs to grow the fuck up a little bit right i think that the problem is is that the system is like the music industry is fucking broken and it's problematic there's no way around that right and yeah he's the spotify ceo and yeah he's a part of that problem but i've seen so many people like give solutions to this issue being like hey stop your spotify subscription and go spend it at Bandcamp." i'm really sorry but what does that do that's ten dollars what am i going to do with that give ten dollars to one person that's cool i guess and that's that's more direct but that doesn't, that's, that's, I, I feel the same when someone spends $10 on something that I've made and when someone listens to it on Spotify. I feel the same way. I feel happy about it because I want people to just listen to what I've made. And that's definitely a privileged standpoint. And that's definitely like a little bit fucked up. But I, I really do feel as though the way that the industry is set up right now, it's, it's really important to just have people hear your shit. And he says, right. in, he says in there, he says that a lot of people in his interview, he says there's a lot of people who aren't making like enough money on streaming. And he also says there's a lot of people who are making their living wage on streaming alone. And you um, don't hear them complaining about it. 
Right. And I mean, it's, it's a thing of like, in, in Jackson, you're totally right. It's totally like circumstance of just like, there isn't one way, right? And a lot of the people who are making it right now are the people who are succeeding on Instagram and TikTok and YouTube. Those are, the lo- those are a lot of people who are succeeding on Spotify with their streams. But I, I also really think that like the people who see this quote and get like genuinely angry about it, it's like you're telling you're you're giving you're gonna give me a solution that's take my ten dollars and go give fifty cents to other artists or give ten dollars to one artist. It's like that's that's not gonna be the same thing. Like that's just that doesn't equate at all. Yeah, it, and I've I've seen other people say that like there was one one artist in particular on my Facebook that I'm friends with that said, uh you shouldn't have access to to as much music as we have access to. If you are a musician and if you're a music if a music fan, you should be spending a lot of time with one album and you should buy that album. And to that I say, that's a great idea in an ideal world. But what where we're at now is streaming is a thing and not just for music, but for everything. We have access to everything all yeah. the time. I would ask that person when the last time they bought a fucking DVD was. Right, exactly. Like that's that's you're, you're talking about we shouldn't have access to all the music. Do you use Netflix? Do you watch The Office a thousand times? If you don't have any of that stuff, then more power to you. If you spend yeah. your money and give it directly to those people, then more power to you. And I think another thing it's it's important for our for our, for our listeners to know is that as musicians, we don't spend like if you're in the the realm of of living off of doing music, a a good 70% of the time is not spent actually playing music. It's right. spent organizing things, setting up shows, you know, driving to and from the show, promoting yourself on social media. The rehearsals and the gigs themselves don't take up that much time. So it's like you're already, you know, adjusting to this new time of having to promote yourself on Instagram and all these other social media platforms. We're already doing that anyway. As far as I'm concerned, also, I will say streaming is a plus. Yeah, because before streaming, I was I grew up trying to sell like homemade burnt CDs and and merch that we got made from local places that made T-shirts. So the fact that like some bands that I'm in get even any money from streaming is like, oh, that's cool. Or just to like see that like, oh, there are, you know, there were 20 listeners to an EP I released this past month. That's awesome. 20 people just listened to that. They had the option. They didn't have to like come to me to buy the CD. They didn't have to order it from anywhere. They just had Spotify. Right. And convenience is a big factor. But like Jackson said, we don't want, I don't want to get too deep into the actual conversation of like streaming. But uh, I, I, I do think that, that that quote, if you are genuinely upset about it, you have every right to be. But I also think you should consider the fact that this is just unfortunately the business we live in and adam as a music listener what what do you think about all this i mean i i don't care for streaming or use it but i think ultimately it's probably a net good for smaller musicians because otherwise your stuff's never going to be heard by anyone unless they see you at a show right no one's going to go play your you know album on itunes and go buy the album like that doesn't happen so right people know Very the things that they know the big names they hear about so it's basically, I think Spotify and stuff is more of a marketing thing than like a way to make money for right. everyone. Basically, it seems crazy to me that anyone actually makes like a living off of just streaming at all. Like that doesn't make any sense. But I mean, I see people that have like, uh, you know, they're every every day they have paid ads that are like, hey, add us to a playlist because apparently you get more money that way. Hmm. I don't know how that works, but well, like people just loot playlists. So that's you right. Just get more plays that way. 
Right. And it just seems crazy that you could have the listenership to where that you're making all your money from there. But if you are, then great. Cool. You get a bonus. But everybody else, it's marketing. And I don't think the CEO of Spotify is wrong in saying that if you put out more music, more people will listen to you. Because people are listening to new things only, generally speaking, and not listening to older stuff. So if you're not constantly in that news new feed of what's new on Spotify, you're not going to... No one's going to hear you. So he's not wrong. That's just how it is. And it sucks, but... He's tech, he's technically not wrong, but he's also implying that it doesn't take a long time to create stuff that you as an artist would deem uh, appropriate right. to release. Yeah, that concept Which is, is like, definitely fun. Well, it's a different conversation. Part of, part of that could just be if you put out, you know, shorter albums, like, you know, like an EP length thing, maybe that makes more sense to do now and albums don't make sense anymore. Which sucks for certain types of yeah. music, especially. But if you're focused on making it now, you know, today, that maybe is what you have to do. I don't know. Yeah, I think it's smarter for younger bands that are, you know, coming up for them to release EPs, some shorter EPs. I, yeah. I would say that we would yeah. all agree on that. Like a long form CD is great for someone like, well, I mean, we mentioned John Mayer or we were talking about the Beyonce record that's about to come out. Like people like that, they can afford to make a full length album. And. I, just, I don't know. Do you guys think it's better to release smaller EPs than full albums? It really depends. Yeah, it really does depend. I mean, I think that in terms of like the, the, the concept of the business, I think that like you have to release shorter stuff. There's a metal band called Good Tiger that I like, and um, they have, I don't know exact, the exact number, but it's about they've released eight, seven or eight singles in the past few months. It infuriates the living shit out of me. Just release your fucking album. I'm I'm over right. it. Like, I'm I haven't listened to most of them because it pisses me off. Like, and the way a lot of these artists do it is they they'll do it so they like release a single and then the next single has like the two singles in one EP format on Spotify or whatever streaming. So that way you get both of them and they build their album like that, which I like. I do like that concept, but it really does depend, especially on the band too. Like, I mean, the three to four year cycle thing. I mean, that, that has to work for, like, Between the Buried and Me and other such, like, bands that need the time to make their to make their music. Uh, but in, ter- I th- in in the grand scheme of, like, the majority of music, I mean, they can... A lot of people are just putting out music constantly because yeah, it's it's just a lot easier now. It, it, it just... It's changed since, uh, you know, 2007, 2008. It's like the landscape of music hasn't settled on anything like it was before. Before, yeah. you know, before Napster and Radiohead released in Rainbows, the music industry wasn't really the, it, it just, it was a thing that was like, you go through the, the steps and that was the industry. And now everything's cracked wide open. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't think that there needs to be a necessarily a specific, like, this is the uh, baseline of how you should release something like, okay, well, you need to release at least 10 songs and that's an LP or whatever. Or, hey, EPs is the way to go, or singles are the way to go. I really don't think there necessarily needs to be anything like that, nor did there ever need to be anything like that. It just was the norm to release an NLP. And that's what I'm conditioned to listen to, and that's what I like and prefer as a personal preference. But I know there are plenty of people who will listen to a full album, but in the end, when it comes down to, you know, they're on a road trip, they're not going to pull up the new Kanye album, what they're going to do is pick their favorite Kanye song. And if you look at someone like Kanye, who their past two records were like 20 or 30 minutes long and, you know, really short track list. So 
they're calling that an LP, but really at the rate they're being churned out, it's not exactly a full fleshed out, like, you know, I don't know. I, there really is no rule of what uh, distinguishes a an LP from an EP. It's just kind of, it's, it's a really gray line because, you know, if yeah. somebody said that they released a five song EP, I would say, yeah, sure. But then if somebody said they released a five song LP, I wouldn't probably argue with them because, you know, it's really up to the person, however they say it. So I, I really, it, it's so hard. I mean, even moniker we just released an ep in february and we didn't release it anywhere but digitally because we looked at the landscape and we looked at how we sold uh physical copies and we were like it just doesn't make sense to uh, spend that money on it unless we're getting the demand so there are just situations where unfortunately musicians have had to be placed in this position of being the business person but all none of us got into music to be business people. We got into it because we like making music or we like playing our instrument. So for that reason, you know, we're at an unfair disadvantage, but we've had to learn and the people who survive learn well. And, you know, they're the people who they don't give a shit about TikTok, but they're on TikTok right now and Instagram and all this stuff that they may not give a shit about, but they're thriving on it because they know how to use it properly. So that's really my two cents on it. Yeah, it's, it just seems like the whole thing is a balance of business and art. And it's like it's always been that way, but there was a, maybe a steady period of time where the business of music was the, roughly the same model, and now it's not. So we're trying to figure out how to get paid fairly. But you, if you do it, if you're really, really, really into it, you can learn how to navigate the business side. And even if you have trouble with it, art and being creative will always outweigh the business. You will always find a way to make your living. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. I think I, I think a, yeah. a big a big thing is like just because it, it like the business is a way, and because Spotify is shitty, doesn't mean you should like stop trying or 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 give up even how this works. You know, like keep pushing forward because you know the business isn't going to change. Or we or we could even try hard enough to make it change. But regardless, keep making your art, keep releasing it, keep doing what you're doing. You know, the business has sucked since day one. Music business has been a piece of shit since day one. So, fuck it and just keep going. Yeah, I mean, one thing that not a lot of people know about is that, like, if, if you're not a musician, like a, a regularly gigging musician, is that musicians have been getting paid $100 to play at clubs since 1970. Yeah. It's 2020. Yeah. That's right, 50 yeah. years of inflation that's not accounted for. So like now, you know, in this landscape, when I, when I get asked to do uh, a gig at a club and it's four hours in a club for a hundred dollars and there's a pandemic going on, I'm like, no, sorry, I'm just not going to do that. Right. So $100 in 1970, uh, dollars today would be worth $665, give or take. Right. I just Man. looked up an inflation calculator. That's a U.S. dollar. So least. if you got paid 600 bucks to go do something during the pandemic, I feel like you would be more likely to go. Are, yeah, mean, 100%. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, which that's that's what makes it crazy. Like, especially now, underpaying yeah. everybody is like, is that worth anyone's time and, like, risk? Right now, what what we're looking at is it's like if 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 I get a call to play a gig, I I always text, okay, what's the what's the info? Like what what what's what are all the details? And they'll always respond to me with like, oh, this time, you know, this long, blah blah blah. I'm like, how much? 
I, I, I'm good with the rest of it. I don't need to know. I figured it's going to be three hours, or I figured it's going to be like a seven o'clock. I don't give a shit if it's seven or eight. That makes no fucking difference to me. Right? Uh, is it worth my time? Uh, yeah. I, I, am I yeah. am I going to be paid a decent amount of money for it? Uh, and it, it's really hard, like especially right now, people aren't sharing that information. They're like, "Okay, please come play this. Please come play." It's like, no, I need to know what you're gonna like. This is it's dangerous to be out there. Well, yeah, and then I've I've heard stories uh, from people who are playing gigs right now saying stuff like, uh, "Oh, my regular gig that I used to play at this restaurant used to pay me three hundred dollars, two hundred to three hundred dollars, uh, depending on the time." And then they asked me to play again, and you know, obviously there's limited capacity. And they said, "We want to pay you guys less. We want to pay you a hundred dollars instead of your normal three hundred because there's less people." people coming in and all that kind of stuff to which the people say no because it's just like hey that's not how this should work if you can't afford to have a band you shouldn't be having a band it's right. not yeah. like uh, it's it's not like you say hey times are a little hard on me right now i'd really like that steak so can you give me t- uh, the steak tonight for you know maybe 30 percent of what i should be paying for it that kind of thing no, that's just not how it works, and musicians should not be treated that way. No, and the other thing too is like I would I would be a, if a venue that I appreciate were to say to me, "Hey, could you come and do me a bit of a favor and play your regular gig for less money?" I would say that's fine. Here's my contract that states that I will play for less money, but in in the event that I get COVID, you have to pay for the hospital bills. Right. Yeah, right. So then it's like you're kind of flipping it back. If you if you are having people play and your venue is open, you should trust that you can keep your patrons and your staff safe and you will happily pay for my hospital bills in the event that I contract the disease and it's provable from that event. Yeah. And every every venue owner will say, "Oh no, I'm not doing that." Well, yeah. There's no way. I mean, like, just just the, the the gigs that I've played since this is you know since this has started. I mean, people are not they're they're not willing to do really much of anything for you in terms of this. I mean, like, I thought it was a bonus when I found out that one of the places I was playing required all masks all the time. But what they do, I think I mentioned this already, is they just walk in with their mask and they sit down at their table and take it off, and that's it. That's the end. They don't, they don't put it back on. That's it. I mean, they, they even to go to the bathroom and it's like, I, my mask is off when I'm behind the kit and that's it. When I'm playing drums, that's the only time my mask is off and then my mask is on the entire time. So like I'm seeing people I'm playing music with who are off stage with their mask off because they're at a table. Like that makes a motherfucking difference. Right. Yeah. And it's just, it, yeah, man. it drives me nuts. I, I was supposed to play this, this past Saturday and uh, the guitar player that I was going to play the gig with. I ended up telling the band leader like, "Hey, I'm not, uh, I'm not doing this. I'm not doing this. I'm sorry. I just don't. It's not worth it." The guitar player called me and was like, "Hey, uh, I'm really jealous that you said you weren't going to do it because the entire venue was packed. It was very small, and nobody was wearing masks. Yep. And people were on on a dance floor. It's like I keep thinking about." I'm glad that I'm staying safe and I'm glad that the people I love are staying safe, but I almost part of me wishes I could live in that ignorance. Right. And like, yeah, I would give it's what, super frustrating. I mean, like yeah. we're all doing the best we can, you know, the only risks we're taking are to go out to the grocery store, i.e. to fucking eat. 
uh, and doing stuff like that. Uh, and it, it's very frustrating to, you know, take your, you know, chances uh, only when you absolutely have to. And then you see all these people just outside bumping and grinding. I mean, where I live, I'm around a lot of bars and stuff. So I, I see it on a nightly basis and it is very disheartening. Yeah. And, and, you know, I understand that some people, you know, I feel for, for people that are waiters and, and, and bar staff because they, they need that income. So they have to do that. Right. You know, if it got to a point where a hundred dollar gig was something that was the difference between me being able to pay rent and, and, you know, I needed to do that, I would do it because there's just no other option. Yeah. So I feel for those people because they, they, they have to put their lives on the line in some sense to go and make ends meet. Yeah. It's, it's all, it's all a mess. There's, I mean, it's like, look at the teachers, look at the schools. I mean, no one's, no one's caring about anybody right now. And it sucks. I mean, like it's, it's, are you afraid of the virus or not? And then that depends if you're going to go out, if you're going to be safe or whatever. And I, I mean, as, as a musician, that's the only thing I can really speak from as a musician who teaches and plays this entire thing has just thrown my life and my regular everything for a loop. I don't know. I, I have for, for the past however many months, I've just been sitting inside teaching lessons on zoom and, uh, you know, playing the few gigs I've had whenever they show up. But every time I play a gig or get an offer to do a session or whatever it is that makes me go out of the house, I have to think about it for a long time. I have to sit there and think like, is this going to be worth it? I'm going to have to make sure that everybody around me is wearing a mask. And if they're not, I have to like social, like social distance. I mean, that's it. Right. And so many people just don't think about it. And like you said, living in that ignorance would be awesome. But at this point we're, I mean, there's no, there's no option. I mean, I was on the phone with my mom today talking about how, uh, we have all tried so hard and like done everything possible where if any of us, like any of us get COVID, it's like, it's not our fault. At that point, right, we've, yeah. we've tried our fucking best. Uh, so, um, and, and the people who haven't tried their best, who are who are just out there partying, I mean, I guess more power to you. I don't know. I think you're yeah, you should buy a lotto ticket or go skydiving or <laughs> yeah. yeah. Hey, how about uh, before we get into what we're listening, let's just like all four of us say kind of if what like where we feel about being like a concert patron, not the actual you know musicians up on the stage, but you know like. You know, in recent, the only show I was really had in my future was the My Chemical Romance show in October. That obviously got postponed till next year. But I guess uh, I'll start and you guys can frame your answers based off of what I say or whatever. But if someone were to say, hey, your favorite band is playing uh, in a month and they're going to have all these precautions and and it's just going to be a normal show for them. Um even if people were wearing masks, doing all that stuff, I don't think I could go to that show. Even if I could guarantee I'm going to be in the very back and I'm going to stay out of the pit and all that kind of stuff and not be like right next to you. But I'd like, even though it's my favorite band and that kills me to say it, like I love live music. It, I like, that is the, I can do without eating out, you know, that'll come when it comes, but uh, not going to live shows has really bummed me out when I think about it. Like that, that used to be a huge part of my life. And now it's just kind of on hold for God knows how long and that, but even then I know just like for my own safety and then also the people around me, it just doesn't, I would not be comfortable going to a show now or probably even like six months from now until like things are really hammered out, you know, how they've, how to handle it. 
Yeah, I mean, if if every if if part of the ticket price was a a, a rapid test, a reliable rapid test, just like you show your ID at the door, you get tested. And then you're still having to sanitize upon entry and wear masks. The amount of joy that I would feel to be watching my favorite band with presumably my favorite people in a crowd full of people that are all not COVID positive. I can't, I can't begin to describe the amount of pleasure that you would get from doing something like that. The daydream of being in a crowd, you know? That's but that's the only condition I would do it, and I, we're not there yet. Maybe in six months we might be. Maybe in six months this thing mutates where it gets weaker. Yeah, I mean, I think a it's really, uncertain. A big thing that I would want to know is what they're doing for capacity limits. Right. Uh, I mean, like think about uh, just some of like the smaller or medium-sized clubs that are around uh, where we've seen you know so many bands. I mean the the capacity would have to be more than halved for me to think about it. I mean, when, when you look at the capacity of those places and what sold out means most of the time, sold out means it like it's over capacity. So if we're going to sell out something and we're going to cut the capacity, then we have to cut the capacity below 50% to even begin to start to feel safe. Um, so I, I, I don't know. I think that it's going to take a very long time before this is any kind of normal before I go to, before I consider going to a live show where I'm in the crowd Gigging is a different thing. I'm I'm able to space right, but in the crowd, I I it it would take a lot. It would take a long time. It would take a lot of precautions before I feel comfortable going there. Yeah, I don't I don't think it's going to be anytime soon. Really, within the next like year, even where it would feel fine, because until there is some dramatic change in it, like you said, Dave, where it doesn't you know spread as easily or something like that. Or isn't as you know much of a health risk, but it that just seems unlikely. And I, all these people who are out doing whatever they want, whenever everybody else is trying to do the right things, just doesn't seem like it would work out. Like there's going to be one jackass who shows up and he's like, "Well, I I haven't had the test yet, but I, I you know I, I think I'm good." Yeah. Right. Yeah. The I think I'm good. Yeah. Yeah. Man, Dave, maybe you you touched on a, a brilliant idea of how to get the American population tested in mass is to have some reliable, um, you know, rapid testing. Have a big big event. Maybe it's football. Let's let's take music out of the equation. Maybe it's a football game, and everyone wants to go to this football game, but you can't get in unless you take that uh, rapid test, and then. What you do is you only accept the people who are positive and the people who are negative, you take them to a hospital or you tell them to go quarantine or whatever. And then guess what? We've tested the American population and we have a more accurate way of knowing how bad this thing is. Yeah, or not, I, think, I think you do that when you sell people alcohol. Check their ID yeah. and do a test. Oh, there you go. And just here's the, here's the thing. Nose. You have to pay for the <laughs> alcohol anyway, but if you're not positive then you get the alcohol, but if you're negative, or sorry, if you, if you are positive, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I double negative myself. I got myself into a hole there. But if you're positive for the test, you don't get the alcohol, but you have to pay for it, and that covers the cost of the test. That would there upset so many yeah. people. That's perfect. I know, I know. They yeah. wouldn't go for it. They're, They're already the people that are like, my freedoms. Yeah. Oh, well. Well, let's go into what we're listening to. Are you guys ready for that? 
I guess. I'll take that as a resounding yes. <laughs> well, I, I can go first because I have nothing I've been listening to because I was moving. So. Ah. Sorry. Wonderful. I know what Dave's been listening to. It's Dawes. Wait, no, no, no. Let me, let me, let me go into what Dave has been listening to. <laughs> Dave, what is your phone background right now? Dawes is releasing a new record in October. And in October? Background. It's the, in October? Yeah. And my background I gotta, is... I gotta look up what this background looks like. It'll be the cover oh, right of wow, this episode. That's... Yeah. Yeah. The album's called Good Luck With Whatever. You can find it on all streaming platforms. Are you getting paid for that? No. You should. So, uh, I've been, I've been listen- listening to... <laughs> oh. <laughs> Jinx. Jackson's going to go pee now. <laughs> so, Dave, go. He got up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've been listening to Dawes, and uh, Billie Eilish came out with a new song that's pretty good. It's very harmonically interesting. And I'm a little iffy on the beat, but I'm going to give it a couple more listens. And I've been listening to the Dirty Dancing soundtrack because I watched that movie again this week. And I'm probably going to listen to the Notebook soundtrack because I watched that movie again this week. What the fuck? Yeah, Dave, you were yeah, Dave, you were a big <laughs> fan when Dirty Dancing came out originally, right? Yeah, I was like 14 years old. <laughs> what? Uh, so I, I've really, I've been listening to a ton of stuff, but uh, the one big thing I've been listening to is this, I, I hate to say it, but they're a super group. Um, this band called Muzz, uh, they released uh, their debut album, <clears throat> excuse me, in June of this year, and it is self-titled. It's called Muzz, and it has... All these people who were in the uh, New York City post-punk revival scene in the early 2000s. So they have the singer Paul Banks from Interpol, frequent collaborator of The National, Josh Kaufman, and then Matt Barrick, who I don't know what he's from, but apparently he was part of the scene. But they're wonderful. It is very reminiscent of that uh, post-punk revival in New York City, like The Strokes and all that kind of stuff. It's more of kind of a... um, grizzly bear uh attitude it's it's great i love it it's very chill and i was really happy to find it i always love a trio adam i think you'd really like it so if you want to check it out it's muzz by muzz hagan uh i have not been listening to a lot of new stuff the one thing i've been listening to is uh, a prog uh, metal band called haken it's not my name it's with a k not a g uh, uh, they released a new album that's really cool. It's it they're they're a super interesting band. Um, but this album in particular, it's a lot of really interesting melodic and harmonic ideas. It's very genty. It's very like throwback prog rocky at times. It's a really cool album. Uh, I've been spending most of my time just like honestly listening and and watching true crime stuff. So I'm 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 in a really dark place. Everybody, a really <laughs> dark place. You want to talk to me about? Any cults or, or murderers? I'm here for it. Let's do it. No, thank you. Your God email is gonna it. look real weird. <laughs> What'd you say? I said your email address. Your email is gonna look real weird. With <laughs> cult, cult people and Trump supporters. Yeah, I mean uh, they're the same. Could... One and the same. <laughs> that is not true. What? Oh. True crime fans and Trump supporters are not at all the same. They are totally different. No, 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 no. I was saying cult followers and oh, Trump supporters. I don't want to hear from I don't want to hear from if you're a cult follower. I don't give a shit about that. That's that's weird. Ugh, I'm good. Um I'll watch you in a documentary, but I don't need to talk to you. Uh <laughs> it, it... <laughs> 
I want to know everything about you and never speak a word to you. Yes, of course. Do yeah, you want to talk? Do, do you want to talk to a serial killer? No, <laughs> kind of, maybe a little bit. Uh, <laughs> okay, Adam. Adam. <laughs> somebody, somebody would do that though. You know it. What talk to a serial killer? Yeah. Uh, yeah, pe- plenty of people have talked to serial killers. That's how we have the information we have about murder. No, I mean, like, people would pay for that as a service. Oh, yeah, totally. That's, yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. I mean, uh, a lot of a lot of serial killers, like like Ted Bundy, he w- people visited him and had sex with him in prison all the time. That was just the way it went. Adam, what have you been listening to? He already said oh, nothing. Yeah, he ar- nothing. He already said, what oh. the fuck? <laughs> I, I, that was real. I haven't listened to anything. It's, it's kind of sad. Oh. You want to talk about murderers instead? No, I'm good. Well, here, Adam, <laughs> Adam, I'll I'll give you something to listen to. That's not what I said. Uh, did you listen to that? Um, uh, who's that guy you're super into? The punk guy, Australian. Oh, Nick Cave. Mm-hmm. I haven't What's listened it? to it yet, but yeah. I know what you're talking about. Yeah, he did that. Uh, he did this basically solo performance playing piano, probably a lot like the tour you saw him on. And yeah. uh, it's called Idi- Idiot Prayer, and I've been meaning to listen to it and watch it. Uh, but apparently that's great. He he did it as like a you paid for a ticket to watch the live stream and then uh, basically that was it. But of course people ripped it so you can watch it. But apparently it's amazing. Yeah, so. that that released and was streaming on the day that we were moving. So I bought a ticket and I ripped it. So I have a copy. So <laughs> I did that. I would have happily Good paid more you. too if he just sold it outright, but he didn't. So. Because I, I thought his yeah. his kind of music works really well with just him on a piano, and like that show I saw him do on his own. If it's anything like that, I imagine this is pretty great. So, all right, I think that that's that's it. And uh, bingo, bingo, bongo. Yeah. Thanks for listening, everybody. <laughs> yeah, be sure to send. That's what I meant. Send us all your emails this week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank, send us all your emails if you're a Trump supporter, if you like true crime, if you, uh, uh, I don't know, um, if you really if want you to talk to Jackson about anything. Jackson loves to talk to strangers about everything and anything all the time. Yo, I'll, I'll, I'll end this on something fascinating i found out today i had a recipe i was cooking that called for saffron the spice and i was like all right i gotta go to the store i got all the stuff i needed and i got to the saffron saffron and the spice aisle it was 17 dollars. i was like surely that's wrong and then i looked it up and holy shit this is a whole political thing i didn't even know that if you don't know this about saffron you guys gotta look it up it's insane wow That's a true story. I I was going to say, is that real?